Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting and before an excellent podcast. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Brex. Brex is a credit card for startups, the first one ever. It's fantastic. They don't require a personal guarantee by the founder. That is a huge, huge deal. Also has great integration with QuickBooks, which makes life easy for your accountant. And finally, they have really good rewards. They do startup-centric rewards, so like bonuses on ride-sharing and travel and eating out and things like that, all things that appeal to the whole team at a startup. So check out Brex, and if you go through their sign-up and type in Cruise, you get a discount. Hopefully you enjoy Brex, and thanks so much, guys, for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting, and today my very special guest is Lars Camp of Intermix. Welcome, Lars. Thank you, Scott. Good to be here. So Good we've worked you. together for a long time and become friends. Yes. And Intermix is a really exciting company. And you have volunteered. Your your content marketing genius is on, is on display here because you're like, hey, why don't we do a podcast called How to Raise a Seed Round? Yes, that's correct. And I was like, genius. That's like catnip <laughs> for, all, for our clientele and all the startup world. So we're going to do that. Before we do that though, maybe give a little background on your career and then talk about Intermix. Intermix is a really cool company. We actually had Paul on, the CEO, maybe like three months ago. Yeah, and I think he, he talked about what we do. Correct? But still, I think the audience <clears throat> needs to know what you guys do. Yeah, okay. Uh, what I like to do is start with a little story around what we see in the market happening, right? And I think if you drive over San Francisco, you see the words machine learning and AI and analytics popping up everywhere. Like today, to be successful, you need to be a data-driven company. And for data-driven organizations who face growing data volume and who struggle to make their data scientists productive because of slow queries and data availability issues, Intermix provides actionable insights for a database called Amazon Redshift. We provide you with ongoing monitoring and we help you spot problems early. And so unlike do-it-yourself solutions or hiring consultants, we give you, our product gives you personalized recommendations for individual queries, so they run fast, and that means data scientists can iterate faster, and it makes your company much more productive with data. That's what we do. Um, customers here in the city include companies like WeWork, Postmates, Udemy, so, so big, large, and a few public corporations as well. So yeah, that's us. And uh, I think, given we're talking about the topic here, we raised the seed round in 2018, and I guess today you want to know how we did it. Exactly. Well, I want the, we want the playbook, but I think real fast before we get to that, like Intermix is, I have the advantage of seeing your invoicing and revenue and yes, you guys have the who's who of, I think there's a few other late stage startups that you didn't even name that are awesome. So the yep. company's going places. It's really exciting. And, and for those who don't know, Amazon Redshift is kind of like what the big dog in the, in the um, data analytics category, or how would you? That's correct. Uh, so the technical term is a data warehouse, right? Data or warehouse, more specifically, right. it's a cloud warehouse. So yeah. in the old world, you're, you'll hear names like Teradata and Oracle, right? And yeah. um, as part of this massive shift to the cloud, companies are also trying to make more use of their data in the cloud, and they need a data warehouse yeah. for that. You know, there's a little bit more around that, but a key component is a data warehouse, and Amazon Redshift happens to be the number one player in the market. Yep, and so you guys are, are making people who use Redshift way more efficient and Correct. make them more successful. Really. Correct. Yeah, Correct. awesome. All right, so Intermix, is it Intermix.io? Yeah, we, we like to use Intermix.io in all of our copy. Awesome, and you guys have also really good content marketing. Like I've been seeing like pieces you're writing online about like basically teaching people how powerful Intermix can be in conjunction with Redshift. Yeah, it's our, it's, it's our biggest source of uh, new leads and new yeah. prospects. It's, it's our content marketing. Yeah. If, uh, look, every, every com this is actually part of the conversation we should have today. Like what are sort of the channels you need to figure out as a company that, yep. you know, where you can acquire customers. But um, my one recommendation is like start early with writing highly specific content to your audience that helps them solve a problem. Yep. That's what we did, right? Yeah. So whenever you Google now Amazon Redshift, pick any combination, um, you, you will find us. <laughs> That's awesome. It is, I read um, Tomas Tunks, the VC, yep. a SaaS VC, he wrote a really interesting piece like three years ago and he said, content marketing is one of the few things that compounds. In the same way that money, like interest compounds, and I, that always stuck in my head, like every, even this podcast, people will listen to this podcast two years from now 
you know, and it'll just keep compounding and be helpful to a lot of people. So it's the one thing that I recommend everybody should invest into, even before you have a website. Yeah. Right. It's just like start writing and and make yourself an expert in the category. That's correct. Awesome. All right, man. So intermix.io is where people need to read about you guys. So we outlined a basic kind of workflow for, or, or, uh, outline for this, uh, talk here. So the first part of raising a seed round, would be what targeting the kind of the kind of venture capitalist you want in your business, or should we start with building metrics and building a case to receive funding? I would start categorizing yourself as a founder. Have you raised money before? Is this your first rodeo, or have you done it before? And um, that's a great way to start. So tell me implicitly in that I know where you're going to go with this, but what are the different paths? For the, the first-timer versus the, the serial entrepreneur. So this, this is my first startup as a founder, and Paul's uh, actually second startup as a founder. So we had a little bit of credibility, right? And then both Paul and I worked together at a previous startup. So we had operational experience to build a startup. We joined that company post-Series B, but we hadn't done one together, right? And I hadn't founded one. So we came into this whole process as a team, that hadn't built one together yeah, before, yeah. right? And it's much, much easier from a marketing and sort of perception perspective when you walk in, you've done it before, yep. right? Because even if you fail, um, there's lots of learnings, right? No ma- it, it, I would even argue at that point, it doesn't matter if you were successful or if you failed, as long as you've been operating long enough, yep. then there's a lot of lessons learned in, in uh, building a company. Mm-hmm. And so in our case, we just hadn't, we, didn't bring that to the table, right? And we were very much aware of that. What, what we did bring to the table is operational expertise, yeah. right? Enterprise background, you know, our product, we, we sell to the enterprise. So we know very well how to do that, yeah. build an enterprise great product and sell it. <clears throat> you also felt this pain point at your previous company together, right? If I remember yeah, Paul's. Yeah. There's always a founding story. It's like, yes, yeah. the, the problem that we're solving today is one that we had at the previous company. Yeah. Like our, we, we, start, we worked for a mobile analytics company, and our agents were installed on almost a billion of devices. And we were trying to build a specific data service around it. And we, we put all that data. Like, for instance, we were able to tell you uh, how many new iPhones were activated in L.A. in uh, May 2018. <laughs> that's right? incredible. Just yeah. to give you an example, yeah. right? And so that's valuable insight. So we're trying to build a, a different skew around that. And uh, what well, we needed a data warehouse, right? And we used Amazon Redshift. And uh, it turns out that 80 or 90% of the work is in, in making these data services happen is preparing and acquiring that data. And it's really, really hard. And making it flow, it's really hard. Making it fast, complete, accurate, all of that, that is, it's so incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, running the algorithm once the data is there is easy, yeah. right? That, yeah. That's the easy part. So we, we focus on the hard 90%, make that really easy for you, yeah. versus um, building something else. Really yeah. Really. yeah. That's and, what we do. And so you guys were able to go into this being like, hey, we understand the problem really, really well. We've lived it. Yeah. So let me, let me start with, with what we did. Um, we left that company. And we decided to do something together. We didn't know what. We knew it was around data. We knew that, right? Yeah. And so we threw out a few hypotheses. You, you got to start with something, yep. right? And uh, it was actually at the time, it's like the first thing, what, what do you do when you deploy a data warehouse? Well, it's empty. There's no data in there, yep. right? And uh, so the first problem you need to solve is put data into that warehouse, which means you need to build a data pipeline. The, the technical term is ETL, extract, transform, load. Okay. Like I'm, yeah. I'm falling asleep as I heard that. No, 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 that was the number. I, I, keep in mind, this is like all four years ago. Yeah. Right? So it's. Um, but I think the other other point you're making probably is that you don't have to have all the answers to start the company. You just need to know there's a problem out there, and then that's you're right. going to dig into the in, into the problem. That's right. And find an interesting solution. Yeah, that's right. And you need to get you need to talk to your customer. You yeah. need to find customers. So what we did is we went out with a hypothesis. Um, we went through our network, talked to people who were running data teams at large companies. In fact, Postmates was one, was one of our first early alpha customers. And um, <clears throat> to cut a long story short, we, we, it was, we went to all these companies and asked them, 
um, how would you feel if we made it easier for you to get your data into the cloud, into your cloud warehouse? And they said, you know, yeah, that sounds interesting, but there's a few existing players out there who, who, who do it okay, right? Yeah. It's not great, but they, it's, it works, right? Because, okay, you know, we, we might be able to build a better mousetrap. Would you be open to talk to us, right? So we kind of ended up first building a better mousetrap to get data A from, from A to B, right, into your cloud warehouse. But then the feedback that customers actually gave us as we started to talk to them was, well, once it's there, I, I can't access it. It's slow. The cluster goes down. My dashboards don't show. Yeah. I get yelled at over Slack. Like this is my true issue. And we was like, oh, this sounds very familiar. Yeah, you yeah, know, this yeah, is like yeah. a performance monitoring product, yeah, yeah. which we've built for for mobile apps. So let's let's do this again. Yeah. And so Paul started drawing up these these images in Balsamic. Even though like we would go in on a piece of paper and we would draw this stuff. Like That's this awesome. is what the curve would look like. And you would all of a sudden you would get you know I can't describe this on the podcast, but you would be in the room with four engineers. And this is like Silicon Relief. Valley engineers Relief. giving you a share of their valuable time. And you yeah. see them leaning forward into yeah. the room and they go, yes, yeah. that's it. That's, that's awesome. it. Can you build that? Yeah. So we started building these prototypes. We, um, and, and I'm talking about the process of building a product, but it's a very fundamental component to understand when you go out raise money, right? Again, keep the in mind. Needs like, analysis. <clears throat> you're, you're, you figured, you got into the business thinking there's something here. Yeah. You did the kind of early deliver something to get their attention, and then you got that kind of unlocked the real problems they have. That's right, right, yeah. And look, we couldn't walk into any VC here in the, in the we, we quickly realized that. Like, look, VCs will talk to you all day, right? Um, because for them, it's an interesting market intelligence. Yeah. Uh, but we just weren't able to walk in and say, look, this is our idea. We'd like to raise 2.5 or 3 million for yeah. a seed round, and then we're gonna build it, right? Yeah. So our approach was, let's find a problem, build a prototype, show that we have customers uh, on it, and have them pay a little bit, yep. right? Um, and that's what we did, right? So that was our approach. And we we bootstrapped for over a year. I didn't um, know that, geez. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, uh, we didn't pay ourselves a salary for over a year. And, which is quite an achievement when you uh, live in San Francisco and you have family. We've talked about this many times, but there was one year where Vanessa and I paid ourselves an incredibly small amount. It was it was very painful, but it's incredibly focusing because like you're not you're not fucking around. You know what you need to do and you need to execute. Yes, and that that is actually one key requirement when you go out raise money. You need to have quit your job. I've seen it many times oh, God, that there's yeah, a founding yeah. team. You know, it's maybe two three founders, and then the story goes. Well, where's the third person? Right, and so oh, you know, she or he is still working. And the minute we we're gonna have raised. Um, uh, that person will join. Yeah. And and no, you can't do that. That's an absolute no go. Like either either you're committed, or you're not, right? So by the time we were going out to raise our first angel round, we had quit our jobs, we had bootstrapped for a year, we had acquired customers, we had a working prototype. Yep. Um, so that's that's what we came to the table yep. with, yep. and that allowed us to raise our um, first angel yeah. round. And your first angel, I forget, but it's, it was like a million dollars or a million and a half or something like that. It, it actually started with lots of lessons learned there as well, right? So I think one of the mistakes we did, or one of the mistakes that I see others do as well, you're trying to optimize for dilution early on. And I would not recommend doing that, right? So um, one of the learnings we've had is that the terms are always going to be the same at the early stage, right? Like if it, it doesn't matter if you have zero or 100 or 250K, even if you have 100K in revenue, yeah. uh, 800K, like it's, it doesn't matter. Yep. If you fit the risk profile of a serious seed company, then those are the terms you're going to yep. get. Yep. Because those, those investors all have a fund, they have to drive a performance on. That's they right. can't tell who's gonna be successful at that stage. That's right. And so they're playing a giant portfolio theory yeah. and they need to have everything kind of standardized. Yeah. Yeah, so that's right. And we started out, we thought like 500K is enough. And that was our first knee-jerk reaction. It's like, look, that's all we need, right? We'll keep the lights so on. Well, you'd also been doing it cheaply because you hadn't been paying yourselves at all. For we hadn't been paying so that's, ourselves. So 500K seemed like a lot of money probably, but it wasn't really in the grand scheme of things. Well, also because it, it, what happens then is that investors think, well, how, how long, what will I get with those 500K, right? And sort of if you project it forward, it might not be enough to yeah. get you to your next round. That's, that's actually, let's just emphasize that. They're looking at your runway and overlaying the milestones needed to raise the next round. Yeah. And they're saying, hmm, the milestones you might need are like five referenceable big customers paying full price or something like yeah. that at, your sta at that stage. 
and they're saying, hmm, I don't know if this company can get there on 500K. Probably can get there on 1.5 because 500K might only be, I'm just making up back of the envelope, but it might be six or seven months Yeah. And for the average startup. And this company might need 12 or 14 months. And so it's also a little bit of a tell if the company's not asking for enough money because it might show that the entrepreneurs don't know exactly how hard it's gonna be to hit those milestones. That's Does that right. make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. It's spot on. And we were very confident that we would be hitting our milestones with this 500K, but that doesn't mean the other party is, right? Yes, so, that's a great point too. Like you, you may know that you really can do it. Cause you might have three POs in your pocket that are just about to get signed. Yeah. But like the VC doesn't know that. And, the v, and there's this giant game of asymmetric information between you and the VC that's hard for them to know who's telling the truth or what's what's legit, what's not. Yeah. You know? Well, luckily, we, you know, we, I have good friends in the VC community yeah. and they gave me open and honest feedback. Yeah. And they just told us, like, look, dude, you can't, like, the way we look at it is like, what happens when you're running out of 500K? Yeah. Right? And so that was great advice from friends in the VC community. So what we did is uh, we actually raised a little bit more than a million in our first angel round, including, and that actually included institutional money. And you can, by now you can probably tell I'm German by my accent. And, um, <laughs> that, and I've written a, a, a pretty long Medium post, or a post on Medium on that I call, on, um, it's more about angelist syndicates, but in that, in that, post I talk about the funding better right like map out all the uh, sources of funds you can get it's it's family it's friends it's uh, angel syndicates it's institutional money maybe there's some research grants like it's I write it yep. out in the post right so I, I gotta check that out I haven't seen that yeah, yeah it's it's I would recommend that like map out all the people all the entities that you can raise money from right you'd be surprised how many sources you can yeah. identify there and where, yep. money, where you can get money from and uh, so we, we collected money from people, from angels here in San Francisco, people who have worked with us, uh, with us, trusted us, former colleagues, right? And for them even, they didn't even care about what it was that we were building, right? They said, we know you guys, we trust you guys, you guys under care. It's another reason not to obsess over valuation because most of the time yeah. that people are giving you your first money are like your friends and family. And the last thing you want to do is like screw them on valuation. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, I, I've seen yeah. that before where it's like, just get the money in the door. These are your friends and family. Let, let them, if this is a wild success, like they deserve to be set for life or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know? And, and we actually said no to a sizable number of people because we just felt like, look, it's, it's not worth it. Then every time you see them, it becomes a board meeting. That's, right? that's super important too. Yeah. Yeah. So there needs to be a personal distance. Um, at least that's how we looked at it. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, we raised then we raised our first round on a note on a um, safe note. Lots of lessons learned there as well, right? You can there's all these different flavors of uh, cap, a no cap, a discount, both a discount and a cap. We chose to go with a cap, which we set at the uh, target amount for our seat round. We yep. thought it's going to be somewhere around eight point yep. right? Yeah. And uh, lots of lessons learned there. If, if I had to do it over again, or if Paul and I had to do it over again, we would probably go out with a note and just the discount. That's what we would do. You, you get into interesting... Uh, we're getting deep into cap table issues, like calculating the number of shares pre and post. But yeah. it's what, my, my recommendation would be, if you raise money on a save, which is a great instrument to save money on, do it with a discount. Yeah. The only thing I, I, I'm curious, do you see a lot of companies not raise, raising money on a note without a valuation or without a cap? Because pretty much every every note I see has a, has a cap on it at the super early stage. There's definitely companies that are, whether it's a safe or a note, are basically, there's a few that are like superstar people or maybe super hyped up who do it on a no cap. But like, to me that, that doesn't, and maybe I'm wearing my investor hat right now, like from Lighthouse, but like, I never wanted to, it never felt right to me to not get a valuation associated with my money that I was putting in now because the more successful you were on my money, it actually hurt me because it drives up the valuation later. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why you need to have that conversation up front. You yeah. need to play out those scenarios. Looking at it from a founder's perspective, I would just say, look, we're going to raise a seed round and we're going to give you a 15% discount yeah. or 20, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> Safe notes are a beautiful instrument because it allows you for uh, high velocity funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody says, yes, I'm in, then you have them sign the note. Yeah. <clears throat> the process that we 
um, pursuit was we would get the verbal commitment and we would line up the notes. And when we had enough commitment, uh, we would call in for the signatures yep. and have them wire the money. And then, yeah. you know, once you sort of have like more than 50% of your round together, everybody else falls into yeah. place. And so I think... That's a really important point, if you don't want me interjecting. Yeah. Um, especially there's a lot, there's a, a group of like pre-seed investors, like Charles Hudson, yeah. Precursors One. Yeah. And often when I talk to Charles, he'll say, I think he did say this on the podcast, one of the biggest values he brings is actually setting a valuation. Because once you have like kind of a lead term sheet or, yeah. or issuing the term sheet, there's a bunch of friends and family and other people who are cool coming in on top of them because they yeah. know like a credible person. Yeah. So to add what you're saying, I, I would try to get like one kind of signature person who can credibly issue terms, price the deal, and then, then know that money will follow. It's not easy, but it's like easier. Yeah, which is the approach I would recommend in your actual seed round. Yeah. Right? We sort of did an angel round and uh, it was a little bit on the higher end. Mm-hmm. And if you can, if you have an option to price it, my recommendation is to price yeah. it. Just yeah. get it done. And I think Mark Suster has written about that too. Like you find both camps, like no, I just like just go raise more on, on notes. And um, I've, I've seen that. Uh, you may know that I'm an angel investor too. So I see quite a few cap tables. And yeah. I've seen cap tables after like we're talking four or five years of raising money on Safe different notes, notes yeah, and, yeah, terms, yeah. And, and that cap table becomes a bloodbath yeah right? so you pay and the pipe piper later either way right? and the bloodbath is founder dilution probably what you're talking founder about founder dilution complexity in managing yeah. the cap table uh, getting in signatures it's it's just a nightmare yeah. right so yes if you can get a priced round that's great right yeah. but we weren't at that stage where we were doing an angel round yeah and um, so we got uh and I think that the, one of the things we should talk about on this podcast is the process you need to run. It's really a sales process. Yes, right? let's talk about it. So, um, okay, let's talk about process. Yeah. <clears throat> How to raise a seed round. How do you approach this? Okay, so first categorize as your, have you raised money before or not, right? Have you done a startup? And you went through the haven't, ra- haven't done a startup before. The person who has, has it a little bit easier on the front end because especially if they've been successful, usually there's a bunch of VCs who didn't get into the previous company that want to be in it. And then of course you go, you can go back to the well, the people you made a bunch of money. So you can usually go right to like a series A or a large seed and just kind of get it done because you're walking in the room, you have credibility, da 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 da. So yeah, for instance, I give you an example. As we talk, there is uh, an engineer at Lyft who just raised 15 million money. (laughs) That's awesome. uh, on, On commercializing an open source product that that person built um, while at Lyft. Perfect, and so, they're the ones who did it. They did. They use it at yeah. Lyft, yeah. boom, boom, right. boom, boom, yeah. And why not, you know, yeah. and VCs want to deploy capital, yes. right? They want to write big checks. That's the other insight, right? If yeah. you ask them for a 100K check, it's just like, it's not worth the hassle. Yeah, because they have a certain amount of oversight they have to do. They can only be on so many boards, and a small amount of money with the minimum ownership doesn't really move the deal for that's them right. at all. That's right, that's right. So once you've categorized your self as a founder have you raised yes no it, it allows you now to approach the process and if you're let's just say so we were we hadn't done it before let's just put it put ourselves into that category so you need to show a little bit more proof because at the end of the day at the seed stage early seed stage the investors invest into the team and an idea yep. and, and, you know, the, and the dream the, the dream. like the sales the, dream. The, the sales pitch is the perfect way of describing this because you're basically selling a dream there's not a lot of proof and everyone's basically buying into you like you are the product that's right and so that's why you need to have a great story yeah fundraising is all about storytelling i i worked before i did this i worked 13 years at accenture from that time i'm probably best known for uh having done the work that today is called accenture digital that's a different story but we back then when we would work with clients it was all about storytelling yep. right like you're in point a now there's a big change in the world that impacts you and so you need to you need to change too and here's the promised land that will get you yep. to, to point b i mean we have the same thing here we take care of all your accounting and taxes you don't have to go into a fundraise not knowing if your numbers are incorrect or That's your right. taxes are done yeah. right like that is the promised land for yeah. our clients yeah. yeah and so the big change for us the big storytelling factor was your data is moving to the cloud and it's growing exponentially. So you need to be prepared. You need yeah. to have something that helps you 
track your data flows. And the people you have working that data are super expensive. And if they're not utilized correctly, Yes, the opportunity cost is huge. Huge, right? Yeah. So, but you need to as, look. There's enough. There's enough material out there on storytelling and pitching. Yeah. I, I will give you two resources. I would recommend you read Andy Raskin's blog on Medium, and you go visit one of his classes here at General Assembly in the city. Another book that I read is by Warren Claff, Pitch Anything. Oh. Um, I think those are the. If you ask me, like, what are the two top resources yeah. to learn about storytelling and pitching? Like, those are the two. We'll put those in the podcast transcript yes. notes. Yes, yeah. and uh, it it because a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake. That's what I see. They just go in with like. Let, let's talk about what you should not do. Right, <laughs> you should not go to um, just if you Google pitch deck. Right, I mean, there's just there's no shortage of of results. And if you go to uh, websites like, gosh, what is it called? Um, is it like Slidehaven or... Slideshare or something like that? Not Slideshare. No, no, no. It's, it's one of these websites where you can buy um, ready bundled digital products yeah. like a WordPress theme, a PowerPoint theme. Yeah. Um, I think it's called DigitalOcean, something like that. We can edit it in the notes, yeah. right? But there is ready-made pitch decks. Really? Yes, yes. And they I always point people to Sequoia has a good template that, like, I always tell people. But it's it's a little high level, but it's a good template for people to use. Yes, I know exactly what template you. Yeah. But that's the structure. Yeah. Right. That's the structure, and you will see it's a storytelling. Yeah. Right. Um, approach. Right. Yep. What's changing. And uh, so do not go to one of these uh, websites out there and download a digital pack. Right, they look amazing with amazing pictures. The team, the vision, and the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and you know the, the charts are all off the shelf. Like, do not do that. Right, <laughs> you really need to tell a story, and a story has a few components. Right, it has the big change. So the big change affects your world, and that means your customers who are in that world need to change. Right, and you give them, but then you have these little dragons or devils right there's got to be tension yeah there's yeah. tension right so this is what keeps you from from yeah. getting to that promised land and here you are you're the startup and you have this magic wand right yeah. uh, it's like almost like luke skywalker yeah right uh, or this this lightsaber and that helps you to get to the promised land yep. right and the promised land consists of like three magic gifts yep right and you save money you move faster and yeah it's better shape cheaper exactly. faster something like that yeah right and um, so that's the story you need to tell. And then a very important factor of that story is to understand the why now. And if you, I think I know what pitch deck you're referring to on Sequoia's blog. Yeah. They call that out as well. It's yeah. the why now. Yeah. Right. For instance, let's, let's take something like Instacart or Uber, right? Or Instacart is a great example. Groceries delivered, right? That concept existed in 2000. It's called VET. Wet band, yeah. right? They, I mean, they flamed, yeah. went out of business, right? And that was a great, that's a great example for why now. Um, the why now for something like an Instacart was, you need three reasons for that, for the why now. You need a technical reason, a technology reason, you need a, an economic reason, and you need a social reason. Yeah. Like, these three together, they really drive Catalyze the need it. for change, yeah. right? And for Instacart was, you know, again, social, technology, economic, Social change, there's a... Working, people working more. Well, the millennials, yeah, right? Yeah. You have the millennials. They're staying single for longer. They are willing to spend a little bit more money, more money to have convenience, yep. right? So that's a generational shift. Yep. They don't need to go down, walk down yeah. to their uh, grocery store. I think dual, dual working families, too. Like dual parents working and things like oh, that. Oh, you but, know that. Yeah, yeah there you go. You're in that life. category. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, so, yeah. But, you know, but that's one large social change. Um, the uh, technology change was mobile phones, iPhones, yep. right? With WebVan, I mean, it, it's in the name, Web. You need yeah, to go to yeah, a computer to yeah, order, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. With uh, mobile apps, you had mobile apps in every person's hands. Now, like, your market got expanded by 10. And the fulfiller <clears throat> people could do it, you know? That was, the, that was making the service actually much better, yes. you know, because you can empower. Yeah. And so, yeah, with, with, uh, and, and the cost now, because of building all these digital supply chains, and, and you all, all of a sudden, like, had a... a economic way to deliver those groceries right yep. it you know and it's it, convenient for them and they can make some extra yeah. money and things like that so that's the why now yeah right so that's a big piece of the story you need to tell yep. why now and if you don't have an answer to at least two of them you're, you're in a bad spot <laughs> the, and right? from the vc's perspective the reason why why now is so important is because every good idea they've probably been pitched like 10 times on it oh yes and most of them have, pro- or have been out of fund that made a bet 
already in a previous fund on something like yes. this happening and it didn't work because otherwise it would be solved. That's right. And so there's this emotional hangover and credibility hangover at the fund from some someone who's going to say, we tried that with X, Y, and Z company and it didn't work already. Yeah, that's right. And we've, we've actually had those investors. Yeah. So you need to do your work, right? When yeah. You're so yeah, to the these target the VCs, the right yeah. kind of VCs. Yeah. So now you're in a position where you have your story straight, uh, you have your talking points, right? You need to, you, and you need to be in sync with that pitch, yep. right? And then people also make the mistake to sort of like give a historical timeline of everything they've done. Like tell yep. them one thing yeah. that you're known for. Yeah. So now you need to, you know, you need to raise these, you need to talk to VCs, to investors. And that's a sales process. So we did this by creating a list. And that's what you do in sales. Yep. You create a list of prospects. Yep. And then you find a way you to qualify reach them. those prospects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, have they invested into this previously? Who's the best person I can I can reach out to to get an intro? The funds are usually pretty helpful. Once you get a good contact into somebody, they will. The partners usually are pretty good at forging you to the right person in the, with domain experience internally. Yes, in the funds. that happens. But it's important to have a relationship or, or like a someone who's kind of verified that that partner trusts yeah. to open the door. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And um, we started out, believe it or not, we had a list, we, we cast a white net. So um, we had a list of, I think, 120 investors, firms. It's still somewhere on my Google Drive. I, but, see, I see those lists all the time. Yeah, but you know, you need to start, because look, in, in, in classic enterprise software, you need a pipeline coverage of three yep. to one. And I yep. would argue in, in, in raising funds, it's more like 10 to one, yeah. right? So you, uh, you create this list, you start reaching out. You need to bucket them, right? Here are the people we want to we want to raise from. Like yep. that is our dream. And firm. why? Because yeah. you need that why to be able to get a good intro, right? But you know, it's like you, I want money from that firm because I like that investor. I like their thesis. They have a great reputation. Yep. And for instance, like for us, it was important that there was no signaling risk in the A, right? Because mm-hmm. some invest, seed investors then sort of double up on the A. Sometimes they don't, so that creates a signaling risk. Signaling risk would be like a big Series A fund doing the seed and not not refusing to do the A. That's right. That, and that creates, I've seen that create tons yes, of problems. Yes, yes. For some exactly. companies I've invested in, it's been tough. That's right. And that's the reason why we actually said no to a few funds who wanted to put money into one, a couple of our rounds. We said, no, 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 we're not going to take your yeah. money here. So, uh, cut a long story short, you, you create this list, 100 people, right? Let's use round numbers, bucket them into, no way I'm going to raise money from these people. <laughs> I'd love to raise money from these people. I'm not so sure if I will, but I might. Yeah. Right? So, three groups. And then you start pitching to the ones sort of that you don't want to take money yeah. from to practice your Just pitch, get some practice, right? yeah. And you learn when you do that. You, you learn. really do. You learn a, a lot, right? Yeah. And you adjust your pitch. And, and then at some point, you need to really accelerate, right? You need to, then that's when you start the sales process. You need to really put everybody into a two-week window, yep. half the meetings, right? And run a process. And you can only really kind of sell a company once. It's unlike a software product, you're selling it many times. You're that's selling right. a piece of the company, for the most part, what you're really looking for is a lead. And, and maybe some people who are followed, but like you, you really need that one special person that you believe in and that believes in you. It's kind of like getting married. It's very similar to getting married, right? Like it only takes one. That's right. Yeah. And in, in software, you can selling software, you can go back to the well, you can go yeah. back to the customer after a quarter, two quarters, yeah. you've put a little bit more features. You can't really do that yeah. in fundraising. Yeah. Like we're talking more about six months, one yep. year. So you, you have one shot, right? And you, look, you have to be prepared to get a lot of no's. Yeah. And at the end of the process, that's why you need to run a process. Yeah. And you will, you need to go back to work, right? And so either you raise money, which means you can go back to work, or you do not, yeah. which means you also have to go back to work. <laughs> Just somewhere else. Well, somewhere else where you keep doing what you're doing. If you want to keep bootstrapping, yeah. then that's fine too. But um, you can at least you can focus back on your work again, right? I've seen this happening that people go in and they, ah, I don't know, and oh, you, you, no, we're just going to acquire one more customer. You know, no, we want to get to this ARR Just number. get long in the tooth, and then, then there's a massive signaling problem to the VCs you've already yeah. talked to, you know? Yeah, so we ran a tight process. Um, our seed round, our, I'm sorry, we, so we raced across two rounds, an angel round and a seed round, and the angel round was probably, I think, less than three weeks end-to-end before and by that I mean like sending out the first email hey let's meet to money in the bank 
and the seed round end to end was well because you ran a process right you guys are also highly professional people tons of credibility you'd done i think the point i would make is you had done the the work early in the process that we outlined like yes Building the story, proof points, things like that. You'd done it well. That's so right. You, know, you were able to raise in three weeks. By the time we went out to raise money, there were no surprises. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, oh my God, we forgot this yeah. and that. No. And I think the seed round end-to-end, um, we raised money from Uncork Capital, from Jeff Clavier, mm-hmm. a fantastic yeah. seed firm. And He's top-notch. He, for those who don't know, he was he rebranded, but it used to be SoftTech. That's right. And so everyone knows SoftTech and Uncork. Yeah, one of the... And I can go into details why we wanted money from Jeff and um, why we think is a fantastic firm or his firm. There's three partners now and I can talk, go on yeah. and talk, talk great things about Uncork. The whole team is just yeah. amazing. It's but, an amazing firm. So uh, real quick, takeaways from the first meeting and partner, and then the partner pitch, like any lessons from that. We, we, we've been going, we, I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. So. So you, you need to people, you need to talk to people who can make the decision. And again, if you go out there on blogs, you know, should I talk to an associate? Yes, no. And then sometimes associates are, call themselves partners as well. You know, there's enough firms out there that have shifted to a model where they're all partners, right? Um, but you need to talk to the decision makers. And we found it that, again, you, you'll find both sides of the stories, like do not talk to firms, only go into the process, and so they are forced to make a decision, and you just have to accept that they say no. We approach it a little differently. We establish the relationship, told people that we're around, we're doing something, yep. and then it's That's what I recommend, and then you turn the fundraising on. And then you turn yeah. the fundraising on. And we did talk to associates. It's almost like right? pre-selling, yeah, basically. Yeah. We, did, we did talk to associates. There's, there's a couple I, of people. I would too. Right. I, I, you just need to be know what you're getting into, and you yeah. need to have like be upfront with them and be like, "Hey, we need next meeting. We need to have a yeah. partner at it, kind of thing." And we have um, we've met great associates at some firms, and at that point, also it becomes their interest to to make you successful, because they're sourcing deals and they want to be known as the person who sourced to- the deal, totally. right? So yeah. it's it's really and you just got to time box it. Yeah. So yeah, process. Uh, what else? Yeah, you need obviously. Then you need to ask for the partner meeting. Like you yeah. need to understand what is your what is your decision making process here, right? And then you know people on vacation, all of that, and that's why you need to run the process. Yeah. And it's like, look, if we don't have a decision from you by Friday, whatever yeah. the date is, then it's over. Yeah. Right. It's over. Well, can we get no, no, no? You cannot get one more week, right? And that's when you do that with a funnel of investors. When you have thirty of them, then chances are that a few of them will say, you know what, we're going to do this. Yeah. Right. And then you go after that first meeting, maybe a subsequent meeting to get everyone to get the partner satisfied. Or that's right. Maybe multiple subsequent meetings. Then you go to the full firm pitch. Yeah. Where you're basically pitching to all the partners. Yeah. And that's that. That is for me because I did a startup previously that didn't work that was actually the most stressful thing to me because it almost felt like i was doing performance art instead of having a conversation and it's probably just a weakness or commentary on me but like how did you think about that partner meeting with with the all hands on deck it it was okay we we had that meeting and we even managed every single meeting right we time boxed every single meeting all these meetings are scheduled for one hour right And we said, we're going to be out of here after 30 minutes, yeah. right? There's nothing you cannot learn from us within yeah. within 30 minutes, right? And also, you know, in, in some cases, we had one firm that had a weird process. They said, yes, 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 yes. And then all of a sudden, they introduced another partner who was, like, traveling. And we thought, like, what? It, it was really weird, right? Yeah. And we blamed it on ourselves. Like, see, we, we dropped the, you know we didn't manage the process here, right? We, we went into this meeting and uh, what just happened, right? Yeah. Luckily, we had term sheets by then, yeah. right? And, uh, but yeah, you need to manage that process I too. think what you're really saying there though is build in some um, unpredictability. As, as much as you want to manage a process, they're, they're dealing with people and they're dealing with people with big egos that have a lot of money and things like that. So sometimes there's going to be weird stuff like they took out someone took a vacation out of nowhere or whatever. It's just part of it's part of having a big pipeline and yes, correct. You know, not relying on one fund that's gonna give you a term sheet. Yeah, the round is not done until the money's in the bank. And a lot of things can happen before yep. you have the money in the bank. And that's yep. why you need to plan for this and that's yep. why you need to have a wide funnel. Yep. If you have a wide funnel, you're not 
desperate, yep. right? And so you can say no. You and walk you away. And you signal you're not desperate, which is really <clears throat> strong too. And we were not, right? We had we had a product that works. We had great logos. We were growing. And said, well, I'd like to see a little bit more customer growth. And we said, all right, we'll, we'll come back to you maybe in the A. That's yeah. it. No, yeah. no, no, hold on. No, no, this is done, yeah. right? Yeah. They're not going to change their opinion on you. They're, they will not, right? So we've, we've, we stood up after. Yeah. one. The shortest meeting was, I think... 12 minutes it was in Sharon Hines at a Starbucks our rule was like let's not meet at a Starbucks and for that one we made an exception it was nice and quiet and that guy that after 12 minutes it was very clear that was not a fit so I just said you know what it was a pleasure meeting you but this is not a fit and you're right about them being willing to talk to you all day because it is they get tons of data from it yeah that's just part of their job it's like yeah. You know, and most people who are doing that professionally love to talk and are gregarious people and just that's how they get their energy. You, you know, in some of these meetings, in every single meeting we would start because typically they, the venture firm wants to talk about their firm. You said, no, 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 no. We'll tell you what we're doing. Yeah. And with that background, you can position your firm in a way that tells us like are you a good fit for us yeah. how do you help us and right? you also you also know before the meeting that there's someone you've done your list yes so you, it's not like you need to be sold that yes um, so that's the process right so make sure you get into the partner meeting the decision making meeting know by you know what it takes for them to say yes no issue the term sheet right negotiating a term sheet we yes. have two more things to cover negotiating a term sheet and then f- doing what you're doing with the funds after close how did you any high level negotiating the term sheet tips or methodologies? Well, you, you get a term sheet, right? That's the most important thing. That's that's the number one thing. <laughs> and the the funny thing is, once you have one, and again, this comes to the process. You know, you sort of you, you sent the subtle hint to everybody else who's still in the running. We have a term sheet, right? Accelerates everybody. <clears throat> yes, and all of a sudden, like, yeah. oh, what you know? Can, can I need one more? No, you do not get one more week, right? And uh, yeah, so typically it's an exploding term sheet, right? There's some, it expires after a week. So either you take it or you don't. Yep. They don't want their term sheet shopped. I don't blame them, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think you need to make a commitment. Yeah. That's it, totally fine. You didn't right? propose and then get like a week to think about proposing. Yeah. I guess you do, but that's a yeah. bad analogy maybe. But yeah, if you look, if you're raising from them, then you should, and you, you should be prepared to say yes yeah. to them if yeah. they give you a term sheet. So we get a term sheet. We actually got two at that point, and then we said, that's it, we're going to move on, right? And we took Jeff because we wanted him. We took Uncork Capital. Um, it's, it's just a great um, serious seed firm. It's Stephanie, Andy, and Jeff, and then on the, on the, on the staff, you have Ashley and Caden, and it, it's an amazing firm. Yeah. So you have about four weeks to close the round, and you still need um, a, a second fund to follow, right? Yep. And uh, we, luckily, we had our uh, pipeline lined up, our existing investors were doubling up. It's a great, strong signal too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we, we made sure that was the case before yeah. we went in, yeah. right? Like, are you, are you doubling yeah. down on us? And everybody said yes. During the process, you're going to get due diligence uh, calls or you have to make references and they will also do background checks on you and mm-hmm. we'll do blind due diligence mm-hmm. checks. So, um, and the, the Valley is a small place, right? If you've done bad things, it'll bubble up. Yep. And yeah, then the due diligence, which is an extremely expensive process because you're paying two law firms, right? So part of the negotiating the, the, the deal, the uh, term sheet is like, hey, um, it's, it's, not, it's not really about the valuation, right? Because those terms are pretty much preset, yeah, yeah. right? But there's also things like, look, you know, we're going to cap, typically say you're going to pay the expenses, right? Which translates to dilution and so you, you have to pay the investors legal fees that's right and it's, one other point on the term sheet one thing i do think is you can move especially at multiple term sheets you can usually get them up a little bit on valuation while also and to make it palatable to them to writ to actually accept more capital which then kind of keeps their ownership position the same but you've kind of basically sold a little less of the company. Does that make sense? Because yes. because you're right, you said this earlier, like VCs like to deploy capital. That's part of the business. Now in the seed market, that's a little different because they're not they're they have more formulaic deals. Yeah. 
But like at the margin, you can you know negotiate a little bit and agree to take an extra five hundred thousand dollars, which is probably what you want anyways. Because yes. going back to your earlier point, like don't raise too little. There's tons of companies that get the product released and they're just starting to get some traction. And they're starting to run out of money. That's right. And so that extra little, hey, I really want to work with you. Um, you gave me an eight million dollar valuation. What do you think about making that nine? And I'll take uh, two and a half million instead of two million, or yes. something like that. Yes. And it kind of makes everything work for everybody. And we did exactly that. Okay, we huh. did exactly that because there was more money on the table. Yeah. And when there's money on the table, take you take it. it yeah. Right. You take it. And so we did exactly that. Perfect. Right. And you need to have a plan. You need to tell investors, here's what I'm going to do yep. with the money. Right. Yep. And that's super important too, because yes. that again, we're going back to like. They're looking at the milestones and knowing they've they've done this like a hundred times, the good ones. Yes. And so they're gonna be like, hmm, you need to raise a Series A in eighteen months. Yes. And you need to be doing a couple million dollars in revenue or something like that to get that Series A. That's right. You walk like in our case it was two dudes, right? You walk into that room and of course, right, your your product looks shiny, your deck is great, you're on top of your messaging and your numbers and everything looks great and you know, you're, uh, the, the customers who the VCs call on um, sing your praise, yep. right? Which, which in our case, they all did. They yeah. loved the product. But we all know things change, right? There's a lot of change in the market. So the you know, question is, will these two dudes be able, these two guys be able to deliver um, on the milestones so they can raise an aid? That's yep. really what people care That's about. That's all that matters. Because yes. the way venture capitalists think is they get their ownership position in you yep. with their investment, and they really need someone else's money to come in the next round that's to right. power the company. They can't just fund a company all the way through. That's right. They need yeah. that other person to come yeah. in. That's right, yeah. Keep going back to what a great firm Encore Capital is. Yeah, yeah. this is like a commercial for them, investors. it's amazing. Well, hey, we, uh, I can only recommend that. That's awesome. Right? Um, so yeah, run the process, and it's amazing what pops up when you know you have, we had some angels who then all of a sudden think they have a word in, in the funds. It's like, you have to deal <laughs> with all of that, right? Because also the term sheet expires once you accept it and you sign it, right, there's a there's a finite period where you can complete the due diligence, yep. right? And it's four weeks and we had our ducks in a row, you know that, right? Yeah. Our yeah. our balance sheet, everything was pristine. Legal docs, right? everything. Everything was there, yeah. right? Like well organized and but still there you know, hey, we saw you used Upwork. Can you send us an Excel sheet of oh. all the uh, contractors you used yeah. in Upwork, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that was an unknown. Right? Yeah. So you go that, was that because of IP? Worries about IP? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, luckily, having worked in enterprise software, you know, we had ironclad agreements yeah. with everybody. Yeah. So, our it, it was still a fast seed round, yeah. right? But, you know, you're some, some other attorney is working on that. Yep. And then you have the money in the bank. When everything is clear, um, and even there, you have deadlines, right? So you need to file with the state of Delaware, and, and there's a wire cutoff and everything. So there's like so many things that can, roll, crazy, can go right? wrong. So we had checklists, right? We literally had checklists. I think we actually had, we just put up a couple of really awesome fundraising yeah. and MA due diligence checklists on yeah. our website. So Google Cruise Consulting check, funding checklist and yes. MA checklist. But that stuff is critical because you do forget a couple things. And the law, the law firms actually, that's their job is not to forget that stuff. So they'll, yes. you know, they'll, they'll bring it up. Yes. But you need to stay on top of yeah. that as the founder and the yep. entrepreneur. Always ask why, why, why? Well, it's standard. Why is it standard? Yeah. Right? Do I really need to do why this? Why is it standard? Yeah. No, this is not standard. Yeah. Right? So you need to ask. And yeah, so that's how you do it. I think in summary is find your niche then you need to run a process. So find your niche, prepare a story, make sure yes. the story works, right? And have supporters lined up in terms of customers, everything. Even before that though, you got you knew the general area you're gonna go. Yes. You didn't like PowerPoint it out and have the immediate solution. You built something that got you into the market that yes. then allowed you to learn what that's really right. needed to be built. I think that's a huge, because sometimes people are like, I don't have, I don't know exactly what I'm gonna do, so I'm just not gonna start. You actually kind of have to burn the boats, start, with something credible, and then you'll find your, your way. Yes, that's right, yeah. And we brought revenue to the table. Um, that was almost, in hindsight, I don't want to say it was a mistake, right? Because you should charge for what you provide to customers. But then you have the set of investors who started looking at this as a metrics-driven business. Well, are you going to hit your milestones next month? And it's like, I don't know, and yeah, I don't yeah, care, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they looked at it as almost like a Series B company, and we just said, look, if you look at this, if you look at it this way, then you're the wrong investment yeah, for us. Yeah, I was going to say, you're probably just talking to people a little yeah. too early for where they really were. Well, that right. company was a seed firm. Uh, and and it kind of surprised us. And we just, you know, we look, we don't have time to waste. Yeah, so we yeah, just yeah, said yeah, no, right? Yeah. Like, you have to be 
confident enough that you say, this is not a fit, we're walking out yep. of here. Thank you very much, yep. right? And the only way you can do that is if you have a big funnel of other investors you can talk to, which takes us back to the process. You have to run the process. Yep. If you do not run a process, you either don't raise money or you're really, really lucky, right? I, the, I think the process is everything because otherwise you just have leakage everywhere. Everywhere. And, the, and the, the good VCs who give you a term sheet early on or are about to give you a term sheet don't want things to drag on because yes. that just means you're don't have your shit together or you don't like them or you're shopping their term sheet. That's right. So it's a, it's a, two, it's a really important signal that you're, you, mean, you mean business, you want to work with them, yeah. and you're going to sign that term sheet. Because yeah. the person who gives you that term sheet and that partnership has really gone to bat spent a lot of credibility on you. To be ter- to to lose really sucks for that person. Yes. Yeah. So, they want you to win. Yeah. Right? They want yeah. you. They're your best friend. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And then the money's in the bank, and it doesn't stop there, right? So now there's a few other things you need to do: yeah. an announcement. You yes. need to go out there because now you're actually all you're doing is you're doing two things: you're building the business and you're preparing for your next round. Yeah. And uh, we uh, then obviously you know your investors have a network of people, but it's sort of like help you with messaging, right? It's sort of like if you, um, do we know our product well? Yes, of course, right? But we sort of, we fall in love yeah. with it. So we need an outside person yeah. who helps you with messaging and PR and marketing. Um, for marketing, we, for PR, we use Meg Muse, um, a friend of ours. She's amazing. She worked at Box oh. and Facebook. And she helped us with the launch, the PR launch nice. and everything. Uh, you, need, you need good uh, photography. Because yep. otherwise, the press is going to take some random LinkedIn image. So, and uh, if, if I can recommend one to you, my wife, you took cam photography. Nice. Yeah. So she's done pictures for lots of founders. And so you get a high quality, high res image. That, What's her URL? Uh, Utahcamp.com. Uh, but we'll put, that we'll, we'll put it in there. Yeah. yeah. And there's one other thing. And by the way, I, we probably need to, to tie this up because we. I didn't, I let you go. We're, we're at 50 minutes now. Okay. It was really, this is really good. So I, I didn't want you to stop. But there's another thing. Let's, I think we should do another podcast. PR, the release, how to tell your story now that you've yes. been funded. And then the first board meeting. First board meeting is like deserves its own podcast. Yes. Because people always mess that up. I totally agree. Um, I totally agree. So Lars, thank you so much. Any, any parting words for the audience? Well, I would say if you are raising a seed round and after listening to this podcast, you have questions, you can find me on LinkedIn. It'll ask you for my email. It's Lars at intermix.io. And we're happy to share our experience and give you advice. Look at your pitch deck and all of that. And then when you need a firm to do your finances, they should go to Cruise Consulting. Thank you very much. I thought you were going to say when you need someone to help you with your redshift. Well, that too, right? But you know that already. <laughs> you know that already. But, but thank you, know, you for the shout out. Yeah, and, you need uh, clean finances if you want to. You actually money. gave me a really good compliment, which I passed on to Vanessa, which was I think you said something like, "I didn't get a single question on my financials," and that was like music to our ears. That was like the ultimate compliment. Well, because we paid attention to it too, right? Yeah, it's important for us. You but know, that, but we're paying attention always for every company. Not every management team is paying attention. And that was just like, it was literally one of the nicest things anyone could ever say to us. So thank you for that. You're aware, well, but, you know, uh, you know, every, every tenth of the month, our, our books are closed. It's and clean, it's crazy. pristine, no questions yep. asked. Done. That's um, how we do it. All right. Thanks, all right, buddy. man. Thank Good you. Good job. Thanks. Lars all right. at intermix.io. Check out Intermix for help with your Redshift. And uh, it's, like I said, I see the POs. I know who you guys are working with. It's pretty awesome. All right. Thanks, God. Bye, buddy. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Founders and Friends Podcast. Quick shout out to Brex, the first startup credit card. Brex is our sponsor and we really appreciate their support. Brex has no personal guarantee for founders. That's a really big deal. It integrates really nicely with QuickBooks. Great rewards that are startup-centric. It's a really nice little tool and we are seeing it uh, all across the Cruise uh, portfolio of clients. So check it out. And again, if you go through the sign-up flow and type in Cruise, you get a discount. So hopefully you'll check out Brex. Thanks again for the support on the podcast, guys. Take care.